to you today about this thing that the Holy Spirit woke me up early on holiday. And if I get woken up in the morning, then you know it's a word from the Lord. Not much can stir me in the morning. I do have to say I got up with a 5 a.m. start today because I needed to be onto it because this word from God needed to come out well. So I'm excited this morning. I've been awake for a long time compared to my normal routine. But John talked last week about a country drive. And I want to tell you about a time before we had kids and we were road tripping. You know, there we would be in the car, driving along country lanes. It was like Ed Sheeran's, these country lanes. Like it was beautiful. Yeah, you don't want me to sing anymore. But it was just gorgeous. We would drive along and the leaves would be falling gently down. Sunlight would be streaming, dappling through the the trees and hitting the road with the slants of the trees. The sheep would be meandering through the trees. It was idyllic. Can you picture it? It was beautiful. It was just the two of us in the car. It was so romantic. But then the idol would come to a halt. It was like, stop that music. Because <laughs> suddenly we would realize that we were lost, hopelessly and completely lost. You see, John, in all his wisdom, had given me the paper map. The paper map. I managed to scrape past geography. I just managed to pass it. I was the horror of my geography teacher. And John has given me the map, and he expects me to tell him where to go. I'm telling you now that the idol was long gone. There was loud discussions in the car. There was stress as John would take the map from me, try to read it while he was driving. But it was the only way we were going to get to where we were going. You see, the truth was those paper maps, does anyone agree with me today? They were from the devil. Nobody should be expected to know where they're going from a paper map. I mean, why do they have so many numbers and lines? See, none of you know what I'm talking about because you live in the era of Google Maps. What an amazing invention. Now our car drives go back to the idyllic country drive and Ed Sheeran is never interrupted. There are never those loud conversations anymore. It's a dream state. You see, that kind of change is the kind of change that we're willing to embrace. That kind of change is the change that we can just get on board with. And I want to talk to us today about embracing a sea change. Embracing a sea change. You see, a sea change is this. It's a change in perspective, a marked change, a transformation. Sea change is not small change, it's transformative change. And I believe God is speaking to us today and saying that we need to embrace a sea change. You know, even Jesus didn't want to always embrace change. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Even Jesus wasn't always ready for change and didn't want it. See, the first thing I want to say is this. We need to embrace out-of-season change. We need to embrace out-of-season change. Now, I'm going to take us back to one of my favorite passages. I'm sorry, I talk about this one all the time, so I don't need to read it to you because you should be familiar. I want to put us right now into the wedding at Cana in Galilee. There we are. Jesus is gathered at the wedding feast. He's having a great time, you know. He's partying with the guys and the girls. They're celebrating this exciting moment of marriage. Everything is going great until it's not. 
Mary comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, they have run out of wine. And Jesus looks at Mary and says, what do you want me to do about it? And Mary just gives him that look. Jesus, I know what you can do. You've been at home multiplying the loaves and fishes. You've been at home. When uh, dad didn't bring home enough food for the table, you were just providing. You could help Jesus. But Jesus replies to Mary and he says this. He says, my time has not yet come. See, he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready for the massive change that doing this miracle would bring to his life. He wasn't quite ready for the sea change. You see, he knew that the minute he did this miracle in a public setting, the minute he performed this miracle, the clock to the cross would start ticking. The onward journey to the cross would start ticking the minute he did this public miracle. And Jesus says to Mary, my time has not yet come. Now, is Jesus right? Is Jesus right because he does the miracle? Has his time not yet come? Well, we know that this is true. Because in John 8, it says that Jesus was teaching in the temple courts and the guards come to arrest him. And Jesus there says, they can't arrest me because my time has not yet come. Jesus was right. He says to Mary, it's not my time. It wasn't his time. It's an out of season change. It's an out of season moment. But what do we see Jesus do? Jesus gets a burden in that moment and he's willing to have a sea change. He's willing to embrace an out of season change in his life. At Cana, Jesus didn't have to change. He didn't technically have to do this miracle, but he saw the need and he loved the people so much that he was willing to do this change. You know, in the Chosen TV series, I love that, that series, Mary says to Jesus, if not now, then when? If you're not going to do this miracle now, Jesus, then when? If you're not going to use your gifts now, then when? And I believe for all of us, God comes to us and says, if not now, then when? When will we use our gifts to serve him? When will we use our gifts to get ready in the season of change that we're in right now. Maybe in our lives we've known or seen that the sea change is coming, but we're putting off facing it. And maybe we need to ask ourselves, if not now, then when? You know, right now, obviously, we're facing massive societal change. I mean, look at us today. It's not normal right now. The world of 2019 is not the same world of 2022. And not only are there global changes, We all have personal changes. Some of us are having wonderful changes, new babies, new jobs, new cities, a new era. Some of us are having much harder changes. We're facing this year with the loss of a loved one. We're facing this year under financial pressure and difficulty. Not all change is easy, but all of it is a choice to embrace or to reject. You know, we need to understand that circumstances will change But that is not the most important thing that should drive our change. The most important thing is not what is happening externally, but is what God wants to do to change us. We need to allow God to change us, what we prioritize, what we focus on, and who we are. Will we embrace out-of-season change? 
The second thing I want to say is, in times of sea change, will we let God change us? In times of sea change. You see, God uses circumstances to call us into his purpose. The things that burden us become the things that motivate us and change us. See, the burden comes from God. Nehemiah was a man who was living his everyday life. I mean, he was in the it crowd. Before Hayley Bieber and Justin Timberlake and all those people were the it people, it was Nehemiah. I mean, it was Nehemiah who was in the it crowd, okay? Seriously, he had it going on. He was hanging with the king. He just had to be joyful. That was his job. Sounds like a great job to me. Got to be with the crowd, see what was going on. He knew what he had to do. He knew when he needed to be there. It was a great job. And yet a burden from God comes when he hears news. When a new circumstance comes to his life, he has to change. And he has to embrace that change. He gets the news that God's city, Jerusalem, is broken down. The walls are broken down and the people are scattered. And he feels a burden and a calling from God to go and do the project of seeing Jerusalem rebuilt. He couldn't leave God's house in ruins. He feels burdened by God. He feels called by God. And so he leaves his life. He leaves his life to go and do and bring the change. He leaves his life to rebuild Jerusalem and gather a scattered people. I want to say to us all today, maybe our name is not Nehemiah, maybe we haven't been part of an it crowd, but it doesn't matter because Jesus has a burden and a call for each and every one of us. You know, I've heard people say that they doubt that they have a calling. I'm telling you today that that is rubbish. Every single one of us has a burden and a calling from God that we are to carry. And God has something coming to us and coming to Christ. It's only the beginning It's only the beginning of your sea change. Coming to Christ is only the beginning of the transformation that he wants to work in our lives. You see, he has an ongoing transformational work to do in and through us. I want to say today, God's calling is universal. It doesn't just come to people called to ministry. Nehemiah was in a secular field and God called him to make a difference. You see, our calling, how could I break it down for every person in this room? What is our calling today? It is simply this, to love others, to care for the poor, to live our lives in a way that displays the power of the gospel more than ever before, wouldn't you say? More than ever before in the sea change that we're in, our calling matters. Paul says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. John 15, Jesus says, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. He's telling us all, you've got a calling and your calling is clear to bear fruit. That'll look like loving others, serving the poor, showing the power and the presence of God to those who need it. 2 Timothy 1.10, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. You know, we're called to carry burdens and burdens change us if we're willing. Jesus was the greatest burden carrier of all time. And he could have kept having a great time at the wedding. It wasn't his time. Yet he was willing to embrace a sea change. He was willing to embrace the moment of change because he was burdened for the couple that he saw in front of him. Because he was moved by the circumstance. 
We don't shut off our hearts to what's happening in the world around us. We don't shut off our hearts to people's anxiety and fears and gloss over it with a she'll be right attitude. We engage, we emotionally connect, and we let people know that there is a peace that passes understanding. There is a hope found in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is a stable foundation on which we can build our life even when the world around us says there is nothing but staying at home with a mask and your bottle of codril. <laughs> in times of change, will we let God change us? Jesus changed up his timeline. Will we change up ours? You know, the calling comes to a woman by the name of Esther. Now, Esther is of great interest to us because she's in the Persian Empire. She is living in a completely secular society. And for us, I think that's a great story of someone to whom the call of God comes to. Look, Esther is going to the day salon, the spa, she's having her facials, she's getting her nails done, she's having chats with the girls. I mean, it sounds like a dream existence. Any, any girls with me today? <sighs> she's living the life of Riley, except it's the life of Esther, and it's amazing. But she has to change up her life. She hasn't seen herself as a voice for the nation or for her people, and yet that's exactly what God asks of her. Neither Nehemiah nor Esther were in ministry, nor were they called to ministry. I want to make it clear. We are all called to carry a burden and a calling no matter where God has positioned us. And where God has positioned us, if we would open our eyes and see the need, we can respond in a way that is anointed and appointed to bring and be the change. When we accept this burden, when we accept the call that God has for us, blessing comes. Blessing comes. You know, for Jesus, the blessing for him came in his own life because the Bible says that at that moment, his disciples put their faith in him. See, even though he was doing this out of season, even though he was embracing this change before he needed to, it resulted in blessing in his own personal life. He had a following of people that would be the foundation of the church that believed in him. Not only that, there was great fruitfulness and an oversupply of wine that set that newly wed couple up for life. What about Nehemiah? He goes from a broken down city, Jerusalem, God's holy city, broken down, destroyed, a people scattered, people far away in their worship from God. And because he's willing to carry the burden, the walls get rebuilt against opposition and persecution and people coming against him. He keeps on rebuilding and nothing stops him. And Jerusalem is rebuilt to the sound of rejoicing that's heard far away. Not only that, every resource he needed is supplied by the king that he used to hang out with. And the people come and give generously. And not only that, the hearts that were hard to God, that were unrepentant, bow down before God and worship is reestablished in Jerusalem because one man in a secular society decided, I'm going to change. I'm going to embrace the sea change of what God is speaking to me. I'm going to hear what God is asking and I'm going to be involved in my society to bring change. He got on board and he brought the change. He embraced the burden. Look, it's not easy. It was emotional for Jesus. The minute he turned the water to wine, he felt the burden of the cross. He took on the weight of what he was headed towards in a whole new dimension. It wasn't easy for Nehemiah. He gave up such a wonderful, easy life. It wasn't easy for Esther, suddenly facing a genocide of her people and the starkness of what she would need to face. But they were willing and they did it. It was emotional and painful, but it led to a joyful outcome. The third thing I want to say is this. 
Things going wrong doesn't mean things can't go right. Come on now. Things going wrong doesn't mean things can't go right. The circumstances are difficult in these situations and they're even dire. And yet the challenge becomes the testimony. And I know that we've heard that the breakdown becomes the turnaround. And maybe we're like, I've heard it all before. But the truth is we need to hear it today. That if we embrace the sea change, if we embrace the change, then the breakdown becomes the breakout. God is a holy reversal. God takes what is broken and makes it whole. God turns the oppression into freedom, the persecution into being from the tail to the head on Esther's day. In that Persian empire, the Israelites went from being oppressed and persecuted to being feared and revered and no one would lay a hand on an Israelite. Not only that, they had all the plunder. Instead of being destroyed, they were elevated. Because one person said, I'm not going to just block out the world and ignore what's happening. I'm going to embrace the sea change. I'm going to embrace it. Nothing can stop the people of God from getting involved to change what is wrong to what is right. Nothing should stop us. Things breaking down should precede things turning around. When a sea change is embraced by us, then God will turn up and do the impossible. Against limitations, oppressions, oppositions, God's work prevailed and it will always prevail. I want to suggest to all of us today that the thing we see going wrong could be the thing that God wants us to get involved in making go right. You know, we can't retreat into ourselves Look, church, more than ever before, we need to be the church. We can't retreat into ourselves. We have to engage. Don't say the problem is too big. Don't say that the challenge is too hard. Because the fourth thing I want to say today is that we can bring the change and be the change that our world needs. We can. We truly, truly can. We do this as individuals, and we also do this as being part of the church. You see, our calling as the church enables and empowers us to embrace change. Our church needs to always be changing. Arise is turning 20 this year as a church. We're not the same church we were when we were seven people. (laughs) Now that we're a church of thousands of people and an incredibly beautiful community arm in which we're able to meet the needs of our nation. Feeding Children Breakfast, the largest provider of breakfasts for children in schools. Not just that, but giving them community. Turning up in their world and sitting down and connecting emotionally, sharing our very lives with our community. The church more than ever before is the answer in these days. But the church must embrace the sea change. We can't stay the same church we once were. The church we were last year is not the church we will be this year. Just as we must change and be transformed and have a complete transformation as we're ongoingly renewed by the Spirit of God at work, by the water of the washing of the Word and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, so also the church needs to go from strength to strength, glory to glory, and become a closer manifest representation of the wisdom of God in the earth. 
The church is meant to represent the wisdom of God through our unity, through our love, through the works, the good works that we do. We should be to the world in this season of change, people who out of season have got on board with what needs to happen and we're willing to make what is wrong right. You know, we as a church are always called to love God, love people, serve one another. We know that we always want to know God. We want to encounter God. We want to encounter His presence. We want a moment in His presence. As a church, that's always going to be foundational. It's where we start. It's where everything begins. We're not a church if we don't have Jesus within us. We're not a church if we're not seeking Him. We're not a church if He is not first and preeminent because Jesus is the cornerstone and the foundation preeminent in the church and the world. He is the number one. The second thing is a church that will always stay the same is that we would know life, that we would live in community, that we would live out our lives with the fellowship of the saints. What does that mean? We sit down at tables. We look each other in the face. We know how we're doing. We're able to share our very lives with one another. Community will always be part of who Arise Church is and every Christian believer. And we must also be alive to the mission that God has called us on. Arise has never been a navel-gazing church. I'm sorry if you want to sit there and have a kumbaya country Christian club. It's not this church, and it's not what every believer is called to. We're here for a mission. See, God said we've got a calling. (laughs) Remember that holy calling. Live in a way worthy of the calling that you have received. So as a church, that applies to us. We've got to live a life worthy of this calling. We're going to love others. We're going to serve people. We're going to live out this mission that God has called on. It's a mission of hope. It's a mission of hope and a mission of life. And boy, we need to overflow with hope like we never have before. We need to overflow with the power and the presence of God like we never have before. We need to see miracles starting to happen. We've seen them over the course of 20 years, and I believe greater things are still to come. Greater things as God manifests His presence in and through us and amongst His people. Remember, they were having a holy prayer meeting and the church began to shake as the Holy Spirit filled the room. We're not called to just have a club and a little holy gathering where we feel good. We're called to have a place where God is moving and lives are being touched and we're making a tangible impact in the lives of widows and orphans and prisoners and people who are broken down and battered because just as Nehemiah built the walls, so God calls us to be the ones that build our society. We're not relying on somebody else. We're the church and the calling comes to us. It comes to us. We're not looking for somebody else to solve society's problems, to fix things. We understand that through us, God will display His wisdom and we will build a brick by brick and change the nations and change the futures of society and of our world, just like Esther and Nehemiah. See, Arise is not a Christian club, which means that it has to keep changing. It has to keep changing. We can't hold to what was. We must move into what is. You know, we have to see our role in this season, that we would embrace the way we should talk, that we should use new language, that we should step into the future that God has for us as a people. We can't look back and romanticize the past and fail to see the wonder of the present in our lives and us as a church. You know, sometimes God's people aren't fans of change. I'm sorry, but it's true. 
Maybe you've turned up in the service and it's all different, but maybe sometimes you just go, I'm going to sit there. That's my seat. I, I know that's my car park. You know, when you go somewhere, you do the same activity. We're not fans of change. But the truth is, I believe God is calling for a sea change. It is a sea change, but we have to embrace it. We have to embrace it. We have to be willing. You know, have you ever thought about the Israelite people? Oh my goodness. Can I just say the most annoying people in all of the Bible? I mean, I can understand how God the Father as a parent gets so frustrated and he wants to shake them. The Israelites are so annoying. God does good things and they don't want to change. In fact, the Bible says they were stiff-necked. Right. I'm not going to change. They were stiff-necked. He was so mad at them. Because they looked back at Egypt, remember they were slaves in Egypt, they had no freedom, they couldn't freely worship God, they were, all their stuff belonged to someone else, they didn't have anything, they were being beaten and persecuted and oppressed, and they looked back at Egypt and said, oh, I loved how I had melons and leeks in Egypt, I remember those days, there they were, Free. God was leading them by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. They had manna every morning from heaven. I mean, I'd like to try some of that when I get to heaven. It'd be quite exciting to try manna. And they're having the greatest meal ever created because God made it himself. And there they are. Oh, we want the melons. I'm like, what is wrong with you? They romanticized the past and failed to see the wonder of the present. People who don't embrace the sea change are like that. They don't see the wonder of the present. Come on, we're people of God and we must be changing. God does a work of ongoing transformation in us. He doesn't just transform us at the moment of salvation, although that is the greatest transformation of all from death to life. But He is in the work of continually transforming us. That is why we can never stay the same. Oh, come on, is your neck a bit stiff? Do some stretching. Do some exercises. Begin to lift up your head. Lift up your eyes, as John said so profoundly last week. Come on, you can't lift your head very well if you're stiff-necked and looking back to the past. The Israelites, they couldn't get their mind off the way things had been. Let's not be those people. Let's forget about 2019. Let's move on from the way things were and start to embrace the way things are. You see what happened to those Israelites? They all died in the wilderness. Sad to say that speaks to the spiritual death that occurs when we can't embrace the change. We see those shells of people from time to time. I'm sorry to say. Those people who became bitter or offended because they were unwilling to be clay in the potter's hand. That once he'd made them into a certain vessel, they weren't willing to be broken and reshaped. Esther was broken and reshaped. Nehemiah was broken and reshaped. Jesus was broken for our sakes. In fact, he was crushed for our sakes and reshaped. But the truth is that for all of us, there's a choice. Will we embrace the potter's work in our lives Will we be clay that he can mold, that he can shape, that we don't resist the change that he wants to work in our lives? So good. We need to let ourselves become malleable. 
that means softness. We're soft to the Lord. We're open to his speaking. We hear his voice. When we read the Bible, we don't just race through it. We let it soak in. Not rushing through our lives, but listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You see, the people that become those shells, they've been bitter, they've been offended, they won't be remade. And they're the ones that give voice to complaints and fail to see the new call. They fail to embrace the sea change. I want to say today, if God needs world changes, let him start by changing us. Come on. There's always a next season in God. And it needs to be when he says it's time, not when we say we are ready. Are you willing to embrace the sea change that God has for you? I believe God wants to burden us. We all have this holy calling. We all have this holy calling. We don't block out what's going on, but we open our eyes. We lift our eyes and we allow God to use us. I believe both personally in our own lives and as a church here at Arise, we need to say again, it's been 20 years, God, as a church, but we're just beginning and we're willing to keep being remade, keep being reformed and serve God in the best way that we can to transform cities with the truth and love of Jesus Christ. It will never change what God wants to do in our lives and in our nations. I believe that God will call us if we're willing. Why don't we just pray together today and then I'm gonna hand over to John if you're staying online, but let me pray right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your calling is secure. Your election is sure. Father, I ask for each and every one of us, cause us to be malleable in your hands today. Father, I ask that those things that are holding us back from embracing change, God, you will let us let go. Help us let go of those past things, those past ways of thinking. Let us forget the former things. But Father, instead, let us walk into the future with hope and joy. I pray, God, that restriction would come off, that, God, you would give us peace as we look at the change ahead and see, I can do it because you are with me. You're strengthening me. You're leading me. You're lighting my path and you're leading me through. Right now, for every person who's anxious, just know that the Lord leads you. He guides your path. He's a good shepherd. His sheep know His voice. That means, my friends, we don't have to stray outside of His presence. He puts a holy hedge of protection around our lives if we would trust in Him. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him. We acknowledge You, Lord. We press on. We press on to acknowledge You. And we lift up our eyes and say, Jesus, be the master Be the master of our future and of our days. Lord, we surrender, we surrender, we surrender afresh. Just allow the presence of God to touch you right where you are. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.